Our story begins when this guy met this girl and fell madly in love. First came love, then came marriage. Then came Emily, Michael, and John in a baby carriage. They were living the dream until doubt and isolation tore love apart. One love and one home became two. In another part of the world, a loving marriage welcomed two beautiful children. Life and love for this couple went along as they hoped, and they too were living the dream until mom became ill. Bad became worse, and worse ended the dream. Courageously, dad strove to pick up the pieces and help his grieving children carry on. And together, they did. Until one day when this lady met this fellow. Wait, where have I heard that before? Oh well. One thing led to another and a new dream for a new home was born. Yes, they knew there would be challenges merging homes, extended families, parenting strategies, finances, loss experiences, and holiday traditions, but they were confident that love would see them through. With hearts full of hope, they married. In the meantime, this guy, remember him? Announced that he and his girlfriend were getting married. They too had a dream for a new home. Okay, let's recap, shall we? What started out as two simple homes with four parents and five kids became three homes with three parents and five kids. And then became two homes with two parents, two step-parents, five children, five stepchildren, and the living memory of a deceased mother. And... Five sets of grandparents, dozens of cousins, uncles, and aunts, colliding family traditions, kids with divided loyalties, a home with five children on some days and only two the next, two bedtimes, differing parenting styles, conflict between homes, debt from the past, questions about whether this marriage will last, and four adults who quickly realize that their simple dream to recreate their dream home has instead created a multi-household family that is not simple at all, but complex. <sighs> Love and hope has brought these families together, but how do they manage the complexity? And how do they make the dream reality to find help this home went to their local church to their surprise they found a ministry to blended families just like theirs they weren't alone with the help of family life blended and their local church this home found answers to the questions step families ask for most becoming a healthy step family has its challenges Becoming Step Family Smart is the first step toward helping this home and others like it live the dream. Live your dream. Family Life Blended, strengthening step families. Love and hope has brought these people together, but how do they manage the complexity? That is essentially the journey of a step family. That's why their divorce rate is 10 to 25% higher, because they fall in love with a person and they get married, but they don't know how to be a family, and they end up divorcing because of that. If you work with couples, and I know you do, and I know you're passionate about it, you've run into some step family couples, am I right? Hello? Yes, you have. And if you have it, you're not asking the right questions, okay? You're not diving deep enough. Let me spend a little time with you this morning. I uh, just want to share four things with you that I really want you to understand about ministering to step-family couples. The first thing is this. There are already 100 million people in the United States with a step-relationship. 100 million people have a step-parent, either a step-sibling or a step-child. 
If we look at it from a household perspective, 40% of all families in the U.S. are blended families. There's a step relationship somewhere connected to that home. But despite that reality, here's what I want you to understand from Ron Deal today. Number one, I am not an advocate for more blended families. I'm not an advocate for more blended families. Now that may sound a little strange coming from me with all the work that I've done and the time that I've invested in this, so let me explain myself. What I am is an advocate for God's design for the family. I'm an advocate for one man, one woman for life so that they, because that household has the greatest promise for the people within that household. We are, as we just heard, in marriage and in family, trying to help one another get to the finish line. And, and the biological family, nuclear home, whatever you want to call it, is God's design to help us do that. We, we help one another on that journey. We mature one another on that journey. It's the incubator of faith so that one generation passes that to the next generation. And we work together as a family unit. And the biological family holds the most promise for that process in God's design. You see, if you're driving a biological family, it looks like this, okay? It's a Volvo, for crying out loud. It's got a great engine, transmission, it's gonna last forever, it is well built, it is well designed, it's got four wheels, it corners really well at high speeds. And if you get into a crash, you're in this cage, and there's front, rear, side, top airbags, it's okay, you're probably gonna survive together. Now, if you're driving a single parent home, it looks like this. It's a little bit different. You're still in a cage, Right? You're still protected to some degree as a, as a family unit, but you lost a wheel somewhere along the way, and it doesn't corner nearly as well as it used to, and it's pretty susceptible to side impact. And by the way, most people who have lost that wheel do something to try to find somebody who can replace that wheel, and so they do some marketing, all right? Now here's the deception. They feel like if they find somebody that will replace the old wheel, they think they're gonna create a Volvo. But what they really don't realize is they're creating a Seth family, and that's like driving this. It is very susceptible to side, rear, front, impact. It is very fragile on the road. It cannot corner nearly as well as the other units are. As a matter of fact, as I think about it, if we add people to this, it looks a little bit more like that, okay? Now think about the harmony, think about the harmony involved in making this family work. Think about how each individual has to do their part. What if you have one child who decides they don't want to live in harmony and in balance with everybody else? One kid can just lean over and it ripples throughout the entire family unit. That's kind of how fragile stepfamily living is, especially in the early years when they're doing all the work of trying to come together and figure out how to be a family with one another. And that's where a lot of the stress is and that's where a lot of the complications are. The degree of difficulty on family life goes up considerably. So, what I am is an advocate for more first families. We need more first families. We ought to teach that message louder, wider, stronger than we ever have before, and we should never give up on God's ideal. But, if life throws you a curve, and you find yourself in a step-family context, I am an advocate for healthy step-family living. We've got to help them do it well because point number two I want you to understand is this. Step-families done well are redemptive. I'm going to come back and tell, say a little bit more about that in just a minute, but it's this second thing that step-families done poorly 
just adds to more generational societal chaos, and it's a hazard to the faith-shaping process. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Boyhood. I'm talking about it wherever I go. You need to rent that and watch that because I, wanna, I want you to experience in some way, especially if you didn't grow up in a step family and don't, can't really relate to it, I want you to watch that so you can just see what it is to grow up in a multi-family con- context where there's people on all sides, people are coming in and out of your life, the models you have about marriage ebb and flow. Really, the, the, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the reason the cohabitation rate is so high in our culture today is simply because we've had now two, three generations, about 50 years of marriage and divorce and remarriage and re-divorce and, and moving in with somebody and another breakup, and everybody's afraid of putting themselves in a relationship where they can get hurt again, right? And so if we stop that process at any point, we're doing the next generation some benefit. Two years ago, Family Life, we launched a uh, summit on step family ministry that we call Blended and Blessed. And two years ago, we had our first one, and it was right here in this building. And I brought a friend of mine in to speak during that summit, Dr. Francesca Adler-Bader from Auburn University, and she shared something that just completely floored us. She walked in and she said, you know, we know what happens to children who grow up in a context where their parents get married, divorced, maybe move in with somebody, break up, and they have all these serial marital transitions in their life. We know what happens to their future in terms of emotional well-being, psychological well-being, and relationships. They, they have a poor view of the institution of marriage. They're afraid of it. They, they divorce at a higher rate. All of this stuff rolls out. The research is really clear about that. But, she said, kids who grow up in strong, stable, healthy Step families get a positive role model of what marriage can be. They've already maybe seen one that broke up. Now they get a positive role model. They get an experienced love. They get to understand what grace is and relationships. They get an understanding of what it is to be an outsider who is brought in to become an insider. And isn't that the heart of the gospel? We were all outsiders. And we're made by Christ's blood to become insiders. They get to feel that in a very tangible way in their life and in their experience. And those kids grow up. They select better mates than their counterparts. They have a more favorable attitude about the institution of marriage and the whole idea and what's behind it. And their marriages, when they do get married, tend to reflect the high-quality step-couple marriage that they grew up with compared to the biological parents' marriage that led to a divorce that led to the step-family in the first place. Do you hear what I'm saying? Their marriages more reflect the high-quality step-family marriage rather than their parents' breakup marriage relationship. In other words, we can take back God's design for the next generation. In one generation, we can make a difference. We can go from the step family experience to the first family experience, to the Volvo experience. And the mitigating factor for those young people is a strong, stable, healthy step family. Folks, that's redemption. That's good news. That's God working through this family situation to make a difference for the next generation. That's what we get to be a part of when we do this ministry well. Step family ministry is generationally redemptive for everybody that's involved in that family situation, but it has to be a healthy step family. Number three, you're halfway there. Everything you're already doing in your marriage ministry is really helping. It really contributes to a healthy environment for step couples in their relationship. By the way, I use that term, step couple, because uh, it really captures the idea that they're a couple, but they're embedded in this step family situation. And what you already do is helpful for them as well. But you're only halfway there. I hate to say it, 
but you're halfway there. You see, you got some other things you've got to attend to. Let me tell you a story about Susie and John. Some of you have seen this before in some of the work that I've done, but let's just use it to make an illustration. Susie and John got married, and they had three kids, Mary, Mike, and John Jr., but unfortunately, as life would have it, they divorced. In another part of the universe is Betty and Bob. They, too, got married. They, too, had two kids, Ted and Carrie. Since then, Betty and they divorced as well. Betty has since remarried Frank, and Bob has since remarried Susie. Is everybody with me so far? Now, Susie, when she married her uh, new husband, Bob, she knew she was getting a mother-in-law and a father-in-law, but what she didn't realize is that she was also getting an ex-wife-in-law. Nobody prepared her for that. Nobody let her know that Betty can pick up the phone and change Susie's life. She had no clue that was going to happen. She had no idea that Betty's parenting, that Frank's step-parenting of Ted and Carrie can dramatically influence Susie's children. Nobody helped her understand that or the frustration around it or what she can do about it. And what if Betty and Frank care nothing about God and the gospel? But Susie and Bob do. What kind of influence does that then have on the kids? And how does that spin itself within their family environment? Bob didn't know he was getting an ex-husband-in-law. But there's more complexity if you're keeping track, by the way. Susie has primary custody of her three kids. They live with mom and their stepdad, and every other weekend is six weeks in the summer. They spend time with their dad, John. Betty has primary custody of her two kids, and on occasion, Bob and Susie have all five. Are you staying with me? And here's the funny thing that we do in marriage ministry. We bring them into our context, and we draw a little circle around Bob and Susie. And we pretend as if that's all there is in their life. It's kind of funny when you see it on the screen like that. We do premarital counseling as if that's all there is in their universe. We do marriage ministry and education. We do communication, skill training. We, we talk about managing conflict and forgiving one another. But this is their world. And this is the stuff that adds stress to their life. In biological families, we talk about stress flows from the top down. It's the dripper later effect, all right? If the husband and wife are having a difficulty in their relationship, that trickles down to the children, to the parenting processes. It's true, the dripper later effect. Step families have that, but they also have the percolator effect. It can come from the children up to the step parent and between the then parent and step parent trying to figure out how to do life. It can also come from side to side. It can start in the other home and it ripples into this home. So you have the, what I call the step family trifecta, all right, of stress from the top, from the bottom, and from the sides. That's their world. And so what we do in traditional marriage ministry is really helpful for the couple's relationship and they need that from us, but we have to give them more. In other words, think of marriage ministry. We used to think of it as just being the top circle and the bottom left circle. We would do things for marriage strategies that built up the couple's relationship, or we would do premarital counseling. And I'm just suggesting that there is a third circle that must come under what we do. We have to begin to think in terms of helping blendeds manage their life and the complexity of their life well so that they can become a redemptive organism for the next generation. Last point, you can do this. You can do this. Some of you, this is your first exposure. You've never heard anybody talk about step family living before and you're going, wow, I kind of feel overwhelmed. Yes, I think you probably should. It's a bit overwhelming. Some of you are thinking, I don't live this life. I don't get that. that that's not my world. I'm not, I can't see inside that very well. I get that. I, I, I don't live in a step family and I didn't grow up in one, all right? Nan and I have been married for 29 years. I introduced her as my first wife because everybody assumes she's my second or my third or something. But it's not my world either. But we just worked hard at it. 
and you can do this. Don't get intimidated. Don't think you've got to radically transform or change everything going on in your life, your ministry, or your teaching. Just add one thing. Just do one thing over the next year a little bit different. For example, I love to suggest that people do sidebars in their teaching. So talk about marriage and communication and con managing conflict, but then tell a story about managing conflict in a stepfamily. And you've begun to, just in your, what you already do, you've begun to talk to 20 to 30 to 40% of the class that's in a blended family situation, and you just perked their ears, and you just told them, we know you're there, and we want to try to help. And that just spurns a little conversation, and all it took was a two-minute story in the middle of what you already do. That's a sidebar. That's something you can get to. You can get there. Or maybe if you already do sidebars, you can add one class onto your premarital education program, one workshop, one breakout, one something. Just add a little thing to what you already do. If you have marriage mentors that come alongside couples, find some stepfamily couples and let them be mentors. Think small. Just add one thing. Read one book, watch one video, do something to kind of equip you. Come to my breakout this afternoon. Just something to kind of tool you up so that you can turn around and let that flow into other people. And you'll be surprised what one change can do. And maybe, over time, you can add something else.